I am loving the parables of Jesus. How about you? Yeah. Uh, anybody, these parables like stomping your toes, your feet, your hands, your tongue, all those things, right? Like, uh, hey, I, but to get started, I want you to do something. Now, everybody participate. I want you to look at somebody and say, are you a fool? All right. Now look at, look at somebody else and say, am I a fool? Okay, some of you didn't play along because you didn't want to know the answer, right? You're like, no, don't. Please don't answer that. Some of you are like, you don't know me well enough to answer that, you know? And some of you are like, you know me too well. Just be quiet, all right? Uh, well, I wanted to get that out of the way. Um, before we jump into the parable this morning, because I, I believe that this parable should challenge all of us at some level. Um, and, uh, and if I were to name this parable, I would have named the parable, Don't Be a Fool. Nobody wakes up in the morning and go, you know what, today I'm just going to be a fool. And if you do, we need to talk, Josh, I know, I know, <laughs> he's not lying, uh, no. <laughs> um, but, but, but it's like, it's like, don't be a fool. Now, in your Bible, the heading for this probably says something like, the rich fool, uh, all right, that's what your Bible will call this parable, is the parable of the rich fool. The reason I, I don't focus on the rich part is because when you dig into this parable, um, and let's face it, I've heard so many messages on this parable that were anti-money, money is evil, money is, I hear this, money is the root of all evil. Y'all know that's not the Bible. It says the love of. And, and, and that word really, the word love there means the all-consuming of, the passionate about. <laughs> All right? That's, that's, so, so I've heard it used in a lot of different ways, but, but I really believe um, if we read this, a lot of times we've probably read through this and went, wow, it's a rich fool I'm not rich, so this is not for me. And we just kind of, you know, and some of us are like, that's right, stick it to the rich guy. That's right. You know, I mean, that's kind of, and we just kind of blow it off. Did you know, if you look at the 46 parables that Jesus taught, 46 of them, that he talked more about money and stuff than any other single topic? In all the parables. And you're like, great, he's talking about money today. We should have stayed home. Uh, all right. <clears throat> and, and, and it's true. He actually, matter of fact, 10 of the parables are directly about money, specifically about money. And then there's another 10, arguably 11 more, that, that are about your heart toward your stuff. Uh, okay, and how many of you know money and stuff are all connected, right? 
right? And you're like, so, so 22 out of the 46 parables were about money and stuff. So why would Jesus, in such a short amount of time that he had on the planet, in that three and a half years, why would he talk so much about money and stuff? And here's why. Write this down. I think I've got this. Oh, I don't have it on. Sorry. Uh, you may have to do that. It's not working. Uh-oh. Yeah. Our heart and our money are what? Oh, come on. Write that down and say it with me. Ready? Go. Our heart and our money are connected. You may want to write it like this. My heart and my money are what? Connected. Isn't that what the scripture says? Where your treasure is, your heart's going to be there. It's the funniest thing. I spent so many years in the motorcycle world you know, traveling, doing rallies and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and I had friends that through the years you'd see this transition, you know. You know, Harleys are overpriced. They leak oil. They're high maintenance. They're rough riding. They vibrate like crazy. I would never. They are a waste of money. A year later, that same person is riding a Harley and going, this is the smoothest motorcycle I've ever had. This thing, oh, listen to the sound. Is it not beautiful? What changed? Did the Harley change? No. Now, they made a few improvements. If you had an old panhead, you'll know. It's different now. But it didn't change. What changed? <laughs> When I spend 30 grand on a motorcycle, my heart going to be there. Come on, right? You do the same. You do the same. I never drive a Dodge until you get one. Man, this is the best thing ever. I never drive a Ford. I never drive whatever. And then you buy one because your money's there. You have convinced yourself this is the best. Come on. Right? It's connected. It is connected. And do you know this is true? If you have four cents living in a cardboard box in a third world country. It does not matter. It's still the same problem. It's still the same issue if you've got four cents or if you've got $400 living in a 3,000 square foot house or $10 million living in a 30,000 square foot house. It's all equal playing field. Y'all know that, right? I hope you do. I hope you recognize it. If not, maybe today we get to walk together with some of those things. All right? I say this. This is for me. All right. This is for me. So Luke chapter 12. 
It's so interesting. I love that the Bible tells it exactly like it was, and it didn't edit a lot of stuff out. Um, Look at this. Luke chapter 12, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Tell my bro- Now, before I go to the next verse, this is crazy. This is crazy. And it is so random. You look right above it, Jesus is preaching to the crowd. He's in the middle of a message to the crowd. And some guy, I mean, what this guy just said had nothing to do with what Jesus was preaching about. This guy literally interrupts Jesus' preaching and says, tell my brother to divide the inheritance. It would be like you standing up in the middle of a message that I'm talking about the weight of hell. And somebody standing up in the crowd and going, will you tell my husband to quit laying his socks all over the place? Everybody around and go, Where did that come from? And that's exactly this situation. Jesus is preaching and this guy says, tell my brother, the Victor translation is, tell my brother to give me more. Tell my brother to give me more. And then look, verse 14. Jesus replied, man. (laughs) You got to kind of put that in there, right? Right? Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Who appointed me? Man, what? What? Man, who appointed me a judge? And, And I love this because Jesus, now I would not have been as gracious as Jesus. I mean, Jesus was pretty gracious about it. And he says, I'm not getting in the middle of that. I'm not a judge. It's not, I'm not an arbiter. That is a law. That is a cultural, listen, that is a social justice issue. It's exactly what Jesus was saying. That is a social justice issue. That's not why I'm here. Ow, y'all got real quiet. Right? That's not why, that's between you. Because see, there were laws that said, here's how, in the Jewish culture, here's how the inheritance is split. This is how it works. There were laws about that. This is how it works. The oldest gets a half, and everybody else splits what's left, you know, and that's kind of, that's the simplified version, but there's laws about that. So this is not, he said, man, I'm not, I am not going to get in the middle of that. And then he goes on, he said, because that's only a symptom to the problem. I came for the heart. Come on. Right? I came for the heart. People ask me all the time, should Christians be involved in political things? Absolutely. Absolutely we should. 
Absolutely, we should vote not. I hate when people say Christians should vote their convictions. That's a lie. It has nothing to do with our convictions. We vote what the Word of God says. Because anybody know, my feelings and convictions have lied to me before. But the Word of God stands true. Come on, are y'all still with me? Don't throw rocks yet. Right? And here's the thing. So yes, we should vote. We should be involved. But we also should understand our first allegiance is to a different kingdom. And here's the thing. That's what Jesus was saying. He was like, he was like, I'm not going to get in the middle of that. Yes, we should be involved. Yes, but we have to be involved with the knowledge that laws, policies, parties are not what's going to fix the planet. Because it's a heart issue, not a law issue. Oh, come on. Are the laws important? Absolutely. Absolutely. Jesus said, I came to complete it. Right? Not do away with it, but complete it. So are y'all, are y'all still, you still there? All right. All right. So here was the genius of Jesus' statement. He knew if we can fix the heart, out of the heart, the social justice issues get fixed. Come on. But it's a heart thing first. Right? It's a heart thing first. I had a guy tell me when I was 15 years old and it rocked my world. You cannot legislate morality. <laughs> Should we be involved? Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's not our first allegiance. Come on. And that's what Jesus, did you know Jesus did not come to fix the government. He came to fix hearts that would change a world. That was his point. All right? All right. So then, look, and he said it. He, uh, matter of fact, write this down. What this guy was saying, what this guy it interrupted Jesus, he said, I, I want more. I just want more. That's all. Tell my brother to give me more. Right? Tell my brother to give me more. Um, and then look at verse 15. <laughs> he said, then Jesus said to them. Everybody say, watch out. Watch out. Be on your guard against, everybody say this, all kinds of greed. <laughs> Life does not consist in an abundance of what? Of possessions. Write this down. Guard against all kinds of greed. How many of you know there's all kinds of greed? And it has lots of faces. It really, really does. It has lots and lots of faces. All right. Guard against all kinds of Greed. All right, let's read the rest of it. Are y'all ready? I hadn't lost you yet, have I? All right, y'all got to amen because I got to get done, you know, and yeah, I don't want to keep you all day. Okay, well, I do, but I won't. Okay, so he said, he said, and he told them this parable. Now, here's the par parable. First, he said, 
guard, watch out, guard yourself against all kinds of greed. Now I'm going to tell you a story about it. The ground of a certain rich man yielded a what? Abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? What shall I do? I, I have no place to store my crops. Now, the first thing you got to realize is he was lying to himself. Anybody lied to yourself? Oh, come on. You ever lied to yourself? If you don't recognize that you lied to yourself right now, you're lying to yourself. <laughs> okay? Because we lie to ourselves. He just convinced himself, I have no place to put my crops. Now, no place in my book means I have no place. That means nothing. Well, then the very next thing out of his mouth, then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my what? Did he have no place? <laughs> I mean, you know, this just tells us he had a place. He's like, I have no place. I have no place to put this abundance, is what he was saying. Now, he had barns, but let's just tear them down. And build bigger. It's right, because he wanted what? More. He just wanted more. That's all. He, he, he said, I, I'm going to build bigger ones. And there I will store my, this is a huge word. You may want to underline it in your Bible. I will store my, not what I need. He already had barns big enough for what he needed. Are y'all hearing this? <laughs> he had plenty for all he needed. But now I can store even what I don't need. Oh, it's getting quiet. And I'll say to myself, self, <laughs> you have plenty laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and what? Be merry. Be merry. I'll have plenty. Self, I say, I have more than enough. I can be comfortable now and just eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You what? You fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then, who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever, everybody say whoever, stores up things for themselves. Don't stop there. But is not... Rich toward God. Hmm. Very interesting scripture. The guy had enough. He just wanted a little what? 
just want a little more. Just, just a little more. Somebody asked me this morning, how are you today? I was like, man, you know what? I am spoiled, and I know it, and I like it. Isn't that true? I, I'm spoiled, and I know it, and I like it. I don't know if you realize, but as Americans, we are spoiled. We are spoiled. And sometimes it's hard for us to see this guy's problem because we have the same problem. You know? Or, let's face it, the other way is true. It's real easy for us to point out his problem but not see ours. Right? How many of you know you know exactly how to fix your friend's kids? But if they're your kids, you're like, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to kill them. I don't know. You know? Right? You know? I don't know what to do. I, I don't know. We are good at looking at other people and say, if they would only. Right? Why can't they see it? Well, you can't see it either. Right? It is, it is true. Um, <laughs> you're like, yeah, but I'm not rich. Sure you are. You're like, no, I live paycheck to paycheck, and that's never enough. Can I just tell you, if you earn more than $10,000 a year, over 60% of the planet sees you as rich. Over 60%. You're in the top wealthiest people on the planet if you make $10,000 a year. That's crazy. You know? And you're like, no, you can't call me wealthy. You can't compare me to this guy. I'm not rich. I'm not wealthy. You know, you out there, you call me wealthy. I'm just going to send you an angry text with an angry face emoji on my $1,000 phone. Because I'm not rich. Come on. Right? <laughs> How dare you call me rich? <laughs> yeah. uh, wow. It's so true. The, the truth is, um, this problem of greed, we're not the first generation. Y'all know that. Matter of fact, we have been lied to just like the very first couple on the planet was lied to. Think about the garden. Adam and Eve. They had everything they needed plus. Perfection. They didn't have to work for it. It all just grew for them. Right? They had everything they could possibly need or want. But what was it that the enemy said? You deserve a little more. Wasn't that the lie? You deserve just a little bit more. God's holding out on you because there's this one tree you can't touch. Yeah, don't think about all the stuff he's given you. Think about what you don't have. Come on. Think about what you don't have. Just, just focus on what you don't have. 
And, and, and he convinced them, you know what? You need that. You, you need that. So I got a question. I got a question for you. Uh, how much more do I need for things to be better? I'm asking you that question. Right? I'm asking you. I, I want you to put your name in it. How much more, guys, how much more do you need? How much more money do you need for things to be better? How much more? Think about it. I, I, this is not a trick question. Think about it. How much more do I need for things to be better? And most of you would say, well... I don't need to be rich. I, I don't need to. I just need a little more. That's all. I just need a little more. Do you know how relative that is? Because if you're in the room and you make $30,000 a year, for you, you might be sitting there going, you know what? In all reality, I'm being honest. In all reality, if I could make $50,000 a year, I could be comfortable. If I could just make, if you're making thirty dollars right now, if I could just make $50,000 a year, I could breathe. Just with a little, a little more. Just, just a little more. If I could make $50,000 a year, life would be easier. And if you're in the room today making 50 grand a year, you're sitting there going, 70. If I made 70,000, all I need is a little, I don't need to be rich. Now, if you're making five grand a year, you're thinking that 70, he's rich, right? But, but you're like, if I could just make 70,000 a year, wow, what a difference that would make. I could. I could breathe. Life would be good. I'd have all that I need plus. But if you're here this morning and you're already making 70, you're going, when I ask that question, you're going, maybe 100. If I had 100, if I had $100,000 a year, then it would be good. Then, then things would be what? Things would be better. If I could just make $100,000 a year, things would be better. All I need is just a little bit more. And Jesus called this man a fool. A fool. He called him a fool. Because his barns were already full. He had enough. He had enough. But he didn't have space for the excess. He didn't have enough room for the overage. And the way that that plays out today is we don't have space for our stuff. So we rent storage buildings for our stuff. 
Some of those we move on to our property. Some we go. And, and I know, trust me, I, can I, I, I should have started with this. I am preaching this this morning because God told me to. But I am terrible at what I'm teaching. I am the biggest loser. I, I am a fellow fool this morning, all right? All right? I, am, I don't have this all figured out. All right? I am working it just like you, okay? So I'm not throwing rocks at anybody. I'm just, I'm not. Because, because I know <laughs> there are some, probably many, you've been paying rent on a storage building that you hadn't opened in two or three years. I don't even know what's in there. Instead of cleaning it out, we're just going to rent another one. Come on. I'm telling you, I'm with you. You know, I, I started a year and a half ago building a shop at my house. I've always had a shop at every house that I've lived in. You know, I've had little bitty shops and I've had big shops. And so I built this one, and I'm dreaming because this is like my forever shop, right? I don't even have the doors on the shop yet. I've been doing it a little at a time as I had the money to do it, you know, doing it with cash as best I could, all of that. And, and, and I, I don't even have the doors on the shop yet. I finally got electricity in it and all of that. And you know what I've discovered? It's too small. I just need a bigger shop. Come on. I just need a bigger shop. I could put wings on this shop. Maybe a part on the back. Right? Right? Because when I get my stuff in there, now I don't have time to work. Or don't have space to work. Right? Right? Come on. I'm with you. I, I get it. I, I do. I just need a little bit more. And if I had a little bit more, if I had a little bit bigger shop, then I could sit back and go, life is good. Eat, drink, and be merry. Huh. And Jesus called him a what? A fool. Now, I, I want you to hear me. And I want you to write this down. He was not a fool because he was rich. He was not a fool because he was rich. He was a fool because he trusted his riches. That's what made him a fool. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus was okay with him being rich. Jesus was okay with him having barns that were full. He wasn't okay with him saying, you know what? All this excess, all the surplus, it's mine too. That was the problem. All the excess, all the surplus, well, it's mine too. He trusted in his riches. He trusted in his Riches. All of his security was wrapped up in his stuff. And it wasn't enough. So I'm going to give you a couple of things 
that I see from this parable that we can learn when it comes to money and how to deal with money and what to do with money. Because God doesn't mind us being rich. We are rich. We are. In the grand scheme of the planet, we're rich. Everybody in this room is. You, you know? We have electricity. We have running water. We're rich. You know, we really, we really, really are. Okay, but some things that we're going to learn about money. Are y'all ready? Are you sure? All right, write this down. I, I believe it is, it is important as a believer that we must be responsible or some scriptures say stewards of what God has given us. Amen? Amen? We must be responsible with our money. See, there's, there's a couple of crowds in the room today. When I read this, this uh, parable, there are those that check out because I, I'm not rich. That's for those people, right? And then the other crowd, some of you were liberated by this. Because you are like, your only takeaway was, God said in that parable... I don't need to save. So baby, let's spend it all. <laughs> Isn't that funny how God puts people together? And one of, you, one of you is a saver and the other one is a spender. And if you're both spenders or both savers, the savers never have any fun. And, and if both of you are spenders, you're broke, but you're having a blast. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Isn't that true? How God puts that. I just love it. I love it. You know? But some of you read and go, yeah, but that just means he said don't say. I mean, he's saying don't build barn. Don't save. That is not what this scripture is saying. Matter of fact, the scripture actually says the opposite of that. Do you know it says we should save? We should. Matter of fact, um, in Proverbs, look at this. It says the, the, the wise have what? The wise have wealth and luxury. They have some stuff. They have some nice stuff. But the fool spends. <laughs> right? But the fool spends, everybody say, whatever they get. And then later he, he says this, actually back up in Proverbs, he says this, take a lesson from the ant, you lazy bones. I love this translation. <laughs> Learn from their ways and become what? I love this. Become wise. So if you're dumb as a box of rocks like me, there's hope. We can become wise <laughs> right oh come on right right we can become wise he said learn from their ways and become wise though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work they labor hard all summer gathering food for the winter I want to back up I'm not going there yet all right Gathering food for the winter. They prepare when it's good. They save for when it's not going to be good. 
Isn't that what that says? They save. When things are good, they save knowing that it's not always going to be good. And I'm just going to say you can do this regardless of income. You can save regardless of income. You're like, well, that is impossible. And I lived most of my life like that was impossible. Like if I just had a little more, then I could save. If I just win the lottery, then I could give. Come on. No. Can I just tell you, if you don't do it when you have $10 in your pocket, you will not do it when you have $200 million. It's not possible. It will not happen. It just won't. It won't. And so this is one of those regardless of your income, it doesn't really matter. And you're like, so how do you do that? Well, I highly encourage. Now, not everything that Dave Ramsey does, am I a huge like, yeah, go, go, go. But I'm just going to tell you, if you've not been through Financial Peace University, the basic course, you let me know, you get a group of friends together, and we've got people that will teach your small group or your friends what that looks like. And, and, and it's based on this premise. It's so, so good. Again, I'm not an expert. I failed just like you guys do. But here's what I've learned, and it, has, it really does work, that it's based on this premise. That first, what do we do with our money? The first thing we do with our money is we give. Before anything else comes out, before I pay a bill, I'm going to what? I'm going to give. Then even before I pay a bill, I'm going to see the way I've always done it was I pay bills, then I give a little, and if there's anything left, then I'm going to save. How many of you know there's never any left? There's just not, you know? So, so this, I mean, financial peace is really all about learning how to give first, then save, then adjust your spending to what's left. Tell every dollar where it is supposed to go, all right? And that works if you only make $100 a week. It works just the same. It does. You give off the top, you save off the top, then you live with what is left. And, and, and most of the time, when I start saying give, and especially in the church setting, so many times you're like, well, he's talking about tithing. We give 10% off the top. To the church, we give it, we give, we use that language of giving. And I, I love, we say this all the time that worship is an act of giving, and it really is, and giving is an act of worship, you know, that, that they go hand in hand, and that is true. But the bottom line is tithing is not giving. You read the scripture. Tithing is not giving. Should you tithe? Jesus said yes. You're like, well, that was an Old Testament thing. No, Jesus said yes. He said you should tithe. Literally what he said, you should tithe. But tithing 
is not giving. Giving is over and above. That's what giving is. Giving is over and above the, the, the tithe. Now, now, here's the thing. And you guys know, I like once a year to talk about this stuff. I'm not going to take an offering at the end. It's okay. All right? But, but here's, the, here's the deal. Um, it's so easy for us to get caught in, okay, he's saying giving, giving, giving. I want to give you a little different spin on this that maybe you hadn't thought about. I don't see tithing in the scripture as giving. I see tithing as saving. Tithing is saving. It's the best saving. That's what he says. He says, Jesus himself says, store up for yourselves treasure where moth and rust can't touch it. Are y'all hearing me? See, it's a savings plan out there. Sometimes, we've all been there, the car break down, blow a tire, the washing machine quits, and we're like, God, I can't get a break. God, why? Why can't I get ahead? God, where are you? And God's like, you're, you're like, God, why can't you help me? Why don't you help me out? And God, I believe, is going, you didn't give me anything to work with. You didn't give me anything to work with. I want to. When you, when you give back, it's the best savings plan ever. It is. Just think about that. You don't have to believe me. Just think about it. All right? Because when you sow seeds into the kingdom of God, when you give... It is economy proof, or when you tithe and give on top of it, it is economy proof. Y'all know that. Nothing that happens in this world not going to steal that 401k. And I believe it's not just for the sweet by and by. I believe it comes back even now. Because that's what he said. Will men give unto your bosom? Will men, not God give, when you give. He said, men going to give back. I, I mean, that is an interesting. I'm not even going there. All right? All right. So, so good. Jesus talks about that we should store up treasure. We should save. All right? We should. All right. And I don't think the guy ever thought about this. And here's where he messed up. All right? I've got to hurry through this. He never thought that the excess that God had given him was really for others. That never crossed his mind. What, what if all this that I have is not for me? What if that extra $10 that I have is not for me to go get another coffee? What if that extra $10 is for me to give to somebody else? It's excess. It's excess. All right? Um, and then here, here's what I want you to, we're, um, number two, got to hurry through this. Um, I believe that this scripture also really shows us that we should aim to be successful. 
as godly people, people of the kingdom of God, y'all know it's okay to be successful. It's okay to be successful. We should aim to be successful. Jesus does not criticize the man for being rich. He's not criticizing for being rich. There's nothing wrong with having a lot. Matter of fact, the Bible talks about it the opposite, especially in the Old Testament. To be successful was actually like a sign that God was with you. Right? Matter of fact, let's read this really quickly. There's a story of Joseph, right? The Lord was with Joseph, so he, what? Succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of the Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was, what? With Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. Can I just tell you this? That success has nothing to do with income. He was a slave and owned nothing. But he was successful in everything he did. Because here's the thing, write this down. Success is about what you do with what God has given you. Come on, right? That's success. You can be a successful servant, a successful apprentice. You can be a successful mother. You can be a successful sales clerk. It does not matter. Success is a good thing. It is. We just need to ask ourselves, why do I want to be successful? Because y'all know, I say this all the time, your motives matter. Oh, <laughs> your motives matter. That's right. Your motives matter. So I want to be successful. I want my barns to be full. I even want to have to build bigger barns. Why? Because that was the root of the problem here. What is your motive? Why do you want that? Is it so that you feel good about yourself? I have learned about me <laughs> that because of the abuse from peers when I was in middle school. Y'all know middle school is like hell, right? Right? That because of the abuse and everybody telling me what I was never going to do, that I work twice as hard as anybody I know, and I've learned that part of the problem with that is I'm trying to prove them wrong. I'm trying to prove all the critics wrong. You know? And that's not healthy. It's not. You know, am I doing it? Do I want to be successful to feel good about myself? Do I want to be successful so that people respect me? Do I want to be successful so that I feel like I'm in control? That was this guy's problem. That's why he said, and, and just so you know, you may have a lot, but you're not in control because tonight you're going to die. 
You think you're in control, but you're not, you know? You know, do, do I want to be successful so that here's, here's, we've made this like a God in our culture. Do I want to have plenty of savings and abundance and barns full? Do I want to have the big 401k so that I feel safe? If any of those are the motives, the problem, there's, there's a problem. And Jesus might say, you fool. You, you fool. Re- remember several weeks ago, I said that success in the kingdom of God is when you're at the bottom pushing others above you. That's success. If your motive for success is so I can push more people higher than me, that's the kingdom of God. Come on, right? I love that. Absolutely love it. All right? So, yes, we need successful, godly people as teachers and businessmen and women and politicians, all of that. But here's, here's something you're, gonna, you're not going to like this. I don't like it either because, remember, I told you I'm spoiled and I like it. All right? But write, write this down. We are not called to be comfortable. Amen. Nowhere in the Bible does he call us to a safe, comfortable environment. Nowhere. Nowhere. And we've made safety and comfort our gods. Now, they may be little G-gods. I could so spend a lot of time on that. Not going to. Ah. Because once I get a little bit more, then I will be comfortable. Come on, y'all focus. We're not done yet. When I have a little bit more, then I will be comfortable. And we real quickly throw rocks at this rich guy. But here's what I've learned, right? Write this down. Rich people are just people that have more than I do. (laughs) Can I get an amen? amen? Rich people are just people that have more than what I do right now. Am I lying? No, they're rich. They got more than me. They got more than me. If I had a little bit more, then I'd be comfortable like them. And the people you're looking at are looking at somebody else going, if I had a little bit more like they do, uh, then I'd be comfortable. Then I'd have enough. Then I'd have enough. See, here's the problem. The world's definition of comfort and safety is a counterfeit to godly peace. It's a lie because it's never enough. I just need a little more. Wherever you are, I just, I just need a little more. Jesus never said we would be comfortable. What he did say is that we could live a life of peace and joy. A life of peace and joy. Hmm. 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 
And here's the problem. Jesus called him a fool. Listen closely. Because our comfort is the enemy of generosity. You may want to write that down. I probably should have had that on the screen. That comfort is the enemy of generosity. I can't be generous because I need it to be comfortable. I need the little bit more for me to be comfortable. And I'm afraid if I give it, if I'm generous with it, then I might not be comfortable. I, I, I might not have enough. And I didn't, this is not even in my notes, but, but Jesus spoke to that and said, look at the flowers. I take care of them. I give them more than Solomon, the richest man ever has. And then he says, look at the birds. And I don't care what culture says. The word of God says, I love you more than the animals. I love you more. You're more valuable than the birds, so don't you think I'm going to take care of you? You're more valuable to me than they are. Hmm. I'm afraid to be generous because I might not have enough when whatever happens. But God says this, or actually Paul wrote it. He says, yet true godliness with contentment, it all by itself is what? Great wealth. Everybody say great wealth. Great wealth. Write this down. Oh, I'm going to go on. Uh, yeah, I'm skipping through these because I don't have time. All right. Because that went first one, that was the point. Write this down. We are called to leave the comfortable for the supernatural. We are called to leave the comfortable for the supernatural. Every disciple left what was comfortable for them to be able to experience blind eyes seeing, to be able to experience the lame walking, to be able to experience what it was like to be filled with the Holy Spirit and God use you to change an entire planet. But they had to leave the comfortable. Matter of fact, every one of the teachings of Jesus is all about leaving comfort, denying your flesh, putting you second in order to truly experience the kingdom of God, the supernatural. That's what it's all about. And I wonder, what if today, what if I am one sacrifice, one comfort away from experiencing a completely different reality of God's supernatural, Jesus resurrected supernatural power in my life. But what if? What if? See, our old hearts trusted in stuff. Our new hearts are supposed to trust in Jesus. 
right? Not our stuff. Not our stuff. And then here's what's cool. He doesn't mind us having stuff. He's okay with giving us stuff. He's a good dad. But then when he changes our heart, here's what happens. He takes our barns full. That He's like, see there, I gave them the barn full. <laughs> and then what happens when he changes my heart, then my barn full starts coming into and starts producing something supernatural. Isn't that cool? Something that is eternal out of something that was just stuff in a barn. I love that. I love that. So, I wonder if our prayer today would just be, Jesus, I give you permission to work in my heart. Would you say that this morning? Just say, Jesus. Come on, say it out loud. Say, Jesus, I give you permission to do a work in my heart. To root out all kinds of greed. Whatever that looks like in me. Just root it out. And then I've got a couple questions I want you to ponder on while we sing this last song. I love this song. Here they are. Do I trust God more than I trust me and my treasure? Do I trust God? I mean, ask yourself, do I? And then, am I willing to give up comfort to truly experience God, your supernatural work in my life? Is there something in my comfort and safety that's keeping me from experiencing your power in my life.